there's a few uh, teachings that uh, I seem to be carrying with me from retreat to retreat. <laughs> they seem to be, uh, I hope they're useful. I know they are for me. Actually, I, I've been carrying them from retreat to retreat since uh, a long time, even before I taught. They, they, were, they were useful for me. And now I can see that I pretty much every time manage to bring them back here and there. And uh, so it's a, to me, and it might sound like this to you if you've heard what I've gone, I'm going to say, but uh, to me there's an aspect of that that I like. It's like storytelling. Oh yeah, tell me again the story of the little red riding hood. You know, <laughs> I know it's by heart, but like. Let's go through that. I think human beings are respond well to this. Uh, so it, these are images that I like to revisit, teachings that I like to revisit, and also they're useful during the retreat. That's mainly why I bring them because they, to me, they're helpful here and now. You know, uh, they they serve as uh, instruction or ways to. Uh, explore or pay attention and w one teaching that I like a lot and I'm paraphrasing all this because I've read this a few times but I, like I don't have the printed version I'm not good like that at all I'm a miserable failure at uh, representing the Buddha well but uh, somewhere in the texts, uh, the Buddha describe with this little list, and it's kind of the same paragraph, the same saying is repeated. And he said, he says something like, at the beginning of the practice, when I was uh, when I was thinking about uh, something related to ill will, you know, like somebody had hurt me, or I was planning revenge on someone hoping somebody would pay for something they did or could do that's fine <laughs> you know I had a lot of juice I was not falling asleep my mind was concentrated I had a lot of energy you know I don't know if you recognize this in your own practice you know so when you try to do what Pascal says or what the teachers say you know and be with the breath be with the sound of the art but bring a little bit of a story that is unresolved, you know, and suddenly you're awake, vibrant. <laughs> There's no energy problem here. <laughs> There's plenty. You know. The Buddha says, you know, so at the beginning there was this, but uh, after a while that wasn't juicy anymore, you know. And sometimes the frame that is used to talk about this is the gratification, the danger, and the escape. Or the gratification, the disadvantage, and the escape. And he says, why was I keeping doing this? Because I knew only of the advantages, of the gratification in this. I'm right, they're wrong. I get things evened out with that imagination of them paying for something or me telling them, you know, really what it's all about. You know? And so there was a there was a gratification and there was something juicy, something pleasant in this. 
but I had not noticed the dangers of this behavior. And maybe by becoming more mindful, attentive, suddenly what became more apparent was the actually really high cost of using the mind in this way, how it would uh, recreate whatever we want to call it, trauma, or, uh, you know, relive again and again that hell moment that could be, you know, fictitious. And also how it was uh, keeping the mind trapped, trapped in the story of self, trapped in fascination for self, self as a victim or self as a, you know, but something, isolation, basically. And so when I saw the dangers of that, and maybe when I saw the other ways that I could be in the retreat or in the meditation, uh, then the uh, and the other ways that would be much more beneficial and a lot less costly, much more economical, like not so much energy uh, leaking and being lost, leading to confusion, to... I don't know, bewilderment, to regret, maybe shame, to all kinds of mind states that are complex to disentangle from. from. And so, in time, ill will was not juicy anymore. So there was the escape from ill will. There was the gratification of ill will. There was the danger, the disadvantage of ill will that was seen clearly. And the, when the disadvantage was seen clearly, the escape was easier. Because there was a, what, maybe a, a wanting to take care of oneself, an inner, I don't know if it's called an inner ethic that was developing, but like, no, we're not going to do this to ourselves, love. You know, this is going to be too detrimental, too disturbing to the system, too costly and readjusting a redirecting of energy and so in this particular teaching, the Buddha comes back with, the, with ill will like this and he says the same thing with wanting, desire like before when I sat, I had so much energy when it was coming time to think about you know what I could want and desire and how good it would feel to have it or be it or etc you know I had a lot of energy for this I don't know if you can see this like you can be sitting here there's full of life happening there's this unique ephemeral life happening totally unquestioned just lived through assumption yeah it's me sitting here Galilee boring 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 let me want something like a holiday somewhere, a fantasy of some sort, a, a grandiose moi, you know, a healed moi, you know, a deeply compassionate moi, you know, whatever, you know. And this, a lot of juice, you know. And uh, again, that gratification, disadvantage and escape, how did I, why did I keep doing this? Because I saw only the good in it. I saw the entertaining, the instant gratification, uh, etc. And seeing, being more and more attentive, seeing, for example, that when the dream or fantasy was over, 
I would find myself back here, like dead end. You know, it led exactly nowhere except to disappointment because mm-hmm. reality here sucks mm-hmm. compared to the other version, you know. And by noticing this, I could see the disadvantage, the cost again. And by becoming more and more clear about this, the escape was possible. So when sitting suddenly, they would be like, oh, I wonder if there'll be, I don't know what, tonight. It's written snack. (laughs) (laughs) You know? And you're about to go in that direction. And at some point, the experience of renunciation is like, actually, this is not true. This is not happening. This this is not so juicy, really. You know, like, I'm going to soak in that or for a little while and then, 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 you know. So renunciation, I actually prefer to be here and learn how to meet this moment and discover what is happening here now for this one, you know, not abandoning life for a dreamed one. And then he says that, he repeats that same story with, uh, yeah, the translation in the text I read was things, but I, I, I think about it as stuff, you know, thinking about stuff, the stuff of my life, you know, that's juicy, the stuff of, things I have to take care of or stuff like for me is uh, I don't want to be here like give me a problem to solve let me create a problem potential problem like let me deal with stuff you know be uh, occupied by stuff be uh, I don't want to be here it's too it's too intimate it's too raw like or I don't know maybe I'll have a loss of identity like if I sit here and I'm not fixing something or thinking about more of the past or the future, then it's not this fear. Like I, I feel I'm going to disappear. So give me stuff to deal with, to move around, you know. Because I, I don't want to go. I don't want to do this investigation of the the field of where the identity is not so. So I'm like this. This is what I like. So I can be sitting here and just think like that, you know, this is what I would do, this is what I, you know, but stuff, and then he says, paying attention, I noticed that was kind of pointless, I was actually, if I can use that word, I was enslaved by that, like, I felt, it felt like I was deciding to think about this, you know, but actually after a while, listening, paying attention, I discovered that I was taken by that, I was the subject of that pattern, you know, I was not deciding, it seemed like I was deciding, but I noticed suddenly that I was not deciding, it was deciding me. And then the last one I've talked a bit about already now is self, so again, juicy self, selfing, eyeing, myeing, moi, and any versions of this appropriation, what I could own what I do own, uh, who I am, who I will be, who I could be, who should I be, what is my life purpose, like all this. Do you recognize something in there? <laughs> that kind of like ultimate measuring unit of moi. You know, not one thing, 
here is going to be experienced outside of moi. You know, it's all going to be my room, me in the <coughs> line. I like broccoli more cooked. You know, like everything is going to be seen and measured through moi. You know how I don't fit, how I do belong, how I'm the best or the worst. You know, my breathing. Like, forget nature. You know, I. It's my breathing. Forget life, making things happen. You know, it's my ideas, my emotions. You know, all this, <coughs> which is probably the deepest teaching and the hardest one to shake or question. And why would we? You know, why? What are you questioning here? Are you saying that I'm not there? I'm totally there. <coughs> So this is the other part that the Buddha says this. There's a lot of gratification, a lot of fascination for this, a lot of hooks around that. And give me a few days of retreat, and it became apparent that there was a lot of misery around that. Very heavy to always retell the story of me. And, you know, always construct me and own everything and uh, define things by be fused by like be identified with everything that happens so partly here we come to actually question this so of course it's going to take a lot of silence and stability in the mind to actually see that trickster that magic show that appearance that perception that maybe is not describing reality. I, I don't want to shake your world too much. <laughs> Just maybe it's not how things are happening. Maybe it looks like that. Maybe it's felt like that, perceived like that. And maybe it's not absolutely exact. So the Buddhist practice goes very far. It questions the perceptions we have of self. Actually, what it does very simply I could talk, end the talk with that line. It puts things back in its place. So it shows that the perception of self is but a perception, is an angle, is an interpretation, is an appearance, a mirage. It ap appears like this. And so tonight I'm going to try to unpack this a little bit. If you already are confused are triggered, uh, well, in a way, it's good. Uh, we're not going to solve everything tonight because that's, that is the deepest teaching. But hopefully there'll be some little openings like, oh my God, could that be true? Or, oh, like in that particular instance, I can intuit it or at least conceptualize it. So the Buddha teach about this, it seems like he's saying, I'm teaching this because it's the core of our problem, the core of our suffering, confusion, fear, is wrongful identification, mistaken identity. 
And so if I un- unpack it very classically uh, in the Buddhist teaching, I would start by using one of the images that I was uh, saying in the intro that I series of there's five images that I that are dear to me that I feel they're they're helping me along to clarify that. So the first image is the Buddha when he talks about the experience of the body, he uses the image of uh, the foam at uh, by the side of the ocean, you know, how the foam with every wave changes, you know, all these little bubbles, they, and it changes shape, and it changes uh, color, and it's constantly dynamic. You'll recognize a word that's been used a lot here since a couple of days. And so the Buddha is inviting us to experience the body, even this I think is mistaken. I don't like saying, when I say body, like Pascal, you're fixing, you're solidifying, making permanent what is not, like that's what concepts do, no? Concepts, they grab a bunch of things all over the place, put them together, give it a name, and then we, we human beings, think that's it, it exists. So we'll say Pascal. What is Pascal? It's a little toddler, you know, uh, with their tongue, uh, you know, on the handrail, <laughs> at home, you know, in the winter. <laughs> Pascal is a hundred thousand things and I put all of this together and I make it Pascal and and I believe in it and I'm worried about it you know it's a flow of things <coughs> most have, have happened the other most will never happen you know I remember uh, when I was a teenager at this time of year my mom uh, was cooking a a turkey and uh, at some point I was uh, in the kitchen sitting in the in the rocking chair and my mom opened the oven like this and she had the problem with the the grill to get the grill out and at some point it went like (coughs) And the, uh, there was, I think the turkey came out, <laughs> jumped on the on the oven door, like this, flew a little bit in the air, landed on the prélar, the plastic uh, thing, and, and slide, <laughs> slid <laughs> all the way to the wall or the pantry. And in the, in our family, it's a very dear story. <laughs> We like to tell it. And my mom says, and she said, I didn't do all this work for her. You are going to eat it. And she put it back. (laughs) Which I I agree. I I support the decision. It was delicious. (laughs) And in that, uh, if you ask my father, he will say, Mano, it's me who was sitting in there. You guys weren't there. You were playing hockey outside, you know. But the story has been told so many times that my brother, my father, and I are always disputing who was there. And we all know for a hundred percent that we were the one who was there. And my mom was busy with the turkey, so she couldn't care less (laughs) who was there. But we are all like, I am totally, absolutely, I know 
that I was there. <laughs> I just know that I was there. You know? So, is this a made-up story? Is this really moi? Or what I really identify with and own and appropriate? You know, is this? So that's just a little example. But in this consciousness here now, there's the appropriation of a, an image comes... And it's it's like I make it mine. I define myself by it. It's me. It's mine. You know, and I cherish it. And I so there's a gratification in that. There's also a danger, and there's an escape possible. The escape is actually liberation. Is that this story happened? Can I hold it lightly, like a teacher? I teach with uh, Temple Smith. Uh, lately, I would hear him say that. Let selfing be a light, 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 light organization of the world. Like, not like, my this and my that, but it's, it's a way, it's, it's a useful, conventional way to organize stuff, you know. But ultimately, it doesn't hold so much. It comes a lot with fear of death. Because what's going to happen to this more that I created, you know, if it finishes at death, it is extremely stressful. I don't even want to hear about it. I'm freaking out. If it continues, I'm freaking out too. Because <laughs> I don't know what will be the next body, parent, setup, country, time. You know, I don't like that. You know? And so this first image is the body as, as foam. And so I take it to be as instruction to notice the aliveness of the body that I've solidified in my mind. I have a concept. I make my body my body that I carry here and there. But the more I pay attention, the body that was in deep sleep at 7.05 <laughs> in the room up there, that experience of the groggy waking up, you know, that experience and the one here are completely different experiences. <clears throat> me being blinded by concept would make me say like, no, it's not completely different, it's the same, it's the same, you know. But the more I'm attentive, like what's the main difference between the one over there and the one here? The one over there is inexistent. These sensations are as far as the Big Bang. They're in existence, non-existing. And here, there's something that is alive. And later, when I'll be having whatever the snack will be, <laughs> <laughs> then these sensations, and my mind will tend to regroup, remember, you know, you were sleeping, and then you almost missed your own talk. <laughs> And now you're having punch. <laughs> While this time, things appear and disappear and disappear. Death was there all along. Not a scary one. The one that we live with every day. We don't notice. Things disappear all the time. The sensations early disappear. Where's the year? Where's 2016? It's made up now. 
It's impressions, it's currently arisen images in the mind that are extremely ephemeral, you know. The other day in the group that I lead sometimes in Montreal, I had people revisit their year, you know, and uh, so I was saying, like, think of last winter. What happened last winter, last spring? Last and a friend of mine was there, and at the end she's like, I couldn't think of one thing, you know, I couldn't. And it was it was such a dramatic year. There's so many, but like while I was sitting there, like winter, I was like winter. What happened? Winter, beginning of 2016. What happened? There was nothing, 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 nothing. There was nothing that she could remember. And then I don't know. She might have remembered only the death of Leonard Cohen, you know, and nothing else, you know. And now suddenly later that night in bed, another memory came, you know. But the year was gone. It was inexistent, you know. And one had to has to create it again, you know, create one in their mind. Anyway, so paying attention to the body as foam reveals the changing nature. First, you start meditating. You think your hand is your hand, and it's mine, and it's always been there, and it's mine, and that's it, you know. Then you pay attention, and there's a field of tingling. It's a field of points of whatever field of heat or and clearly you can't own that like that alive cosmos that we call hand or solar system or whatever it is you know it's when you don't look at it and you feel it it's like this is public domain this is nature this is hardness doing its thing this is lump of me lump of earth doing its thing this is water doing its thing. This is uh, electricity, whatever. This is nature. It's nothing else than nature. Why did I make it mine? So absolutely. Do you see what I mean? I can make it mine. It's good that I say, you know, to keep your hand <laughs> and I'll keep mine on mine, you know. You know, it's very important. But is that really absolutely mine? You know, it's not. It belongs to nature. In practice, I think that we become more and more aware of this. And then the Buddha uses the image of uh, uh, bubbles, like uh, the image he uses is when it rains, when a drop of water falls into a puddle, it makes a little bubble, no? lasting, very small, lasting a second. And he says, the experiences of pleasure and displeasure that we have are like bubbles, like this. You know, you have a pleasant idea, snack, and it bursts. And then you hear an unpleasant sound of somebody, uh, what's the verb for this? Sneezing, you know, and suddenly you have the thought, you know, he's going to give it to me. You know? <laughs> and that's unpleasant. And then it's gone because you want to hear the rest, or people are laughing, and then it's pleasurable again. So when you pay attention, you see all these experiences of pleasantness and unpleasantness appear and vanish really quickly. Ding, 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 ding. And, and you start to see the folly, the delusion of like, my pleasure, and I want to secure my pleasure, and I was having a good time until you said, and, <laughs> you know, and, and it's like, wow, it's so, it's not even mine in the sense that it appears. It's not... <laughs> Ple uh, you know, pleasure is not even 
Is it in me or it's in the thing? You know, I'm, sometimes I'm deluded. I think it's in the thing. The thing is pleasurable. I need this thing. It's pleasurable. It's pleasurable. But if you ask somebody else, they say, this thing is not pleasurable to me. If the pleasure is not in the thing, it's in your relationship to it and the meaning you give it. It's very complex. It's conditional to thousands of things. And one of them is going to change. You know? I go to see a movie by my favorite uh, movie director and they happen to do something really weird. And I'm really disappointed. You know? And now they're not my favorite movie director anymore. <laughs> anymore. Because something, it was a little too heterosexist or heteronormative for me. I didn't feel included. I thought they understood me, but they don't, you know? I don't like anymore, you know? It's gone. Was the filmmaker delightful? No, it was a bunch of things, you know? And often we seize, we grasp, you know, pleasure is there, it's in this, I need this thing, yeah? The uh, example I use that usually makes people laugh, you might have heard it. So imagine somebody you love and they're, they're gently stroking your hair, you know, last few hours of 2016, you're with somebody dear to you, and they're like, oh, <laughs> and they're like this, you know, and it's 7.45 and they're, they're like this, you know, and then it's 11.45 and they're still like this. <laughs> <laughs> Why is the pleasure gone? <laughs> because the pleasure was not in the stro stroking. The pleasure was in many different things. You know. And as soon as suddenly, oh, I'm receiving a lot, I'm not giving much, suddenly it's unpleasant, it's gone. The pleasure of being, uh, you know, hair stroked, is gone. Because suddenly I'm guilty, and you know, it's gone. And so here, we pay attention to this in the silence. It shows up in all different ways, you know. I get my perfect meal. I get everything together. I'm sitting at my perfect table with the perfect view, you know. And then Pascal lands on my table with his sneezing and coughing. <laughs> the view is still there. But the enjoyment gone. And so all this is the building of wisdom because when we notice this, we're like, wow, this is so shaky, so unreliable. Why am I spending so much time, you know, planning to align the ducks, you know, of pleasure? Maybe this is a, also making me uh, a subject like uh, not free maybe there's another thing that can happen maybe I can learn to meet pleasure and experience it fully and release release it because it, it's going to go and maybe I can actually show up for when it's disagreeable and, and maybe it's not about pleasure and displeasure maybe it's about the quality of the encounter and maybe that is going to have an influence also on the pleasure so bubbles. And then <coughs> the Buddha uses the image of the mirage about our perceptions. Perceptions of anything. How the year appears. 2016. You know. Everybody died and, tr and Trump got elected. You know. That sucks. <laughs> I 
I'm being factual here. I'm not taking sides. (laughs) (laughs) And the next moment, it's like, wow, I was able to do three retreats this year, and my heart (coughs) softened so much. What an amazing year it was. You know, it appears like this, and then it appears like that. You know, future appears like uh, in discouragement it appears like hopeless it's going to turn bad everything's going to go bad and in the softening of the heart suddenly future even the next couple of days they don't appear as hell so much you're like I'm actually happy to be here you know the view has changed the view of self the view of the other the view of the others you know And so we're invited, as we practice here, to become aware of the mirage nature of reality. I like how we perceive things. I like this person. I don't like this person anymore. Uh, Time seems long. It seems short. You know? And I hear that all the time. You know, people would describe, you know, when sitting, like, I wanted to steal the stick from you and ring the darn thing, you know. <laughs> and the next thing, the next uh, sitting, why did you r- ring the bell so early? Well, it, both time it was 41 minutes. But the experience was different. Things appeared differently, you know. Especially our self appears. You know, that self that you don't want me to question. If you pay attention, you'll see how it's, you know, really I'm a good person. You know, like, oh my God such an idiot you know and it's switching 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 and appearing and disappearing not just changing but disappearing you know you're walking uh, outside and there's just cold little snowflakes falling and softness and something and then you open the eyes and there's somebody looking at you or you know walking a little more slowly and suddenly self like you know it it emerges it forms it was not there the second before there was no there was no self and there was no fear of death there was no like there was no it was just not there but it was unnoticed because absent And so the Buddha says, notice. Notice it, how it appears. It means, if it appears, it means it wasn't there before. You know, self-consciousness. Uh, suddenly like, or in, uh, in desire, how self appears. You're just sitting here, suddenly, I want. You know, want appear, and there's I that appears. A feeling of, a sense of I. I want this now, you know. Just before the desire, there was no I. There was just breathing, hearing. Nature was happening. And then I created, there was a creation of an I that I believe on. I don't question it. It was there before. Don't, don't go there. So what we're talking about is a lot of little fluctuations, a lot of things appearing and disappearing, but because we live in conceptual world, in our ideas is made, already made about stuff. <coughs> I'm here, I'm here for a few days, so I'm driving home, this is me, you know, and I'm cutting all impermanence out, you know. 
So what are the other images? <coughs> Another one that uh, if you hang out with me, you, you've heard it many times, probably. It's the, the, it comes from the Buddha. It's the banana tree trunk. And the Buddha says, you know the banana tree, how it makes huge leaves and fruits and, f- and flowers and, and so green, the leaves and the, the, you know, the, f- the fruits so generous. And at the core, the banana tree is empty. It's a herb. There's nothing to it. It's not a tree. It just does its thing, and then it falls flat on the ground, and it's composted. And for us, our mental formations are the same. That's the image the Buddha uses. So you sit here, then you have a big formation, like, why do they clean the road, you know, during the talk, you know, don't they respect the Dharma? Don't they know? You know? <laughs> I'll have to write one of these little notes <laughs> and sign meta at the bottom. <laughs> and so there's this big production like this, the banana production, you know. And later, you know, et voila, body sitting, breathing, you know. And so many of us, what happens here on the cushion, and I think that's why you laugh, because you recognize this, like, oh my God, what am I going to become? And suddenly, well, falls flat on the ground, and what am I left with but hands touching? And so, it's also made maybe these images to bring a little humor. Oh, yeah, banana production. And so the Buddha points out to the, the ephemeral nature of, with all these images, the ephemeral nature of bubble, mirage, uh, banana tree trunk, uh, foam, etc., the impermanent nature, the empty nature, empty in formation that doesn't have an inherent existence. It doesn't exist by itself. It doesn't, doesn't have its own life. Like, I think I have my own separate life, you know, and he's in that is kind of saying, hold on, maybe you belong, absolutely belong to the matrix, to the, to nature, you know. Sometimes I think of uh, in the tapestry, you know, let's say in the tapestry there is the unicorn that is there, you know. (laughs) And you imagine the unicorn that starts taking themselves personally, I'm the unicorn, (laughs) like, I live in this tapestry. And then you're like, honey, you're totally made of it. You know, like if I t- pull that thread and that thread and that thread, you're totally made of the trees and the rest of the... Ta- you, you, don't, you don't stand out. You're not alone in there, you know. You're totally made of it. You know, you just, you just conceptualize, you know, a contour, you know, and you appropriated it. And when you appropriate something, you know, there might be some gratification, but it's going to come with a lot of fear. You know, it's going to come with a feeling of isolation. It's going to be painful. It's going to be you on one side and the world on the other. It's not the truth. It's a perception. But it's a very painful one. And here we're deconstructing this, so it might take a few years, a few lifetimes. That wrong view. Why wrong? Because leading to suffering. The last uh, image that is used 
is the image of the magic show. And the Buddha seems to be saying something like consciousness. We've talked about this today, awareness. I use these terms synonymously. Maybe it's illegal, but I haven't been <laughs> caught yet. <laughs> but this knowing that uh, happens, you know, as I said, like, I'm not sure, but there might not be knowing in an inanimate object, you know. There might not be knowing inside the lamp. I'm the lamp, you know. Or an awareness of this uprightness, you know. There might not be a feeling like I'm standing tall right now, you know. There might not be any of this, but here there is, right? And the Buddha used the image of the magic show, ephemeral, illusionary. And he says that creates the big magic show of moi, the illusion of self. You know, a moment of hearing, a moment of a memory, a moment of a sensation. And I put all this together and I say, this is me. This is me. And I fear for me. And so the invitation here is to notice the arisings. And so one of the ways to deconstruct it is this, is this way to notice that the awareness of that particular sound arises with the sound. It doesn't exist outside of the sound. It's totally related. So if I do this on and on again here and there and there and there, I'm going to dissolve the image, the concept of me separate from the sound. I'm going to notice that they co-arise, they co-exist, they are born together, they're co-dependent, not separate. That is very refined work. And it's not like wishful thinking, is that the expression, like I wish I could have that or I want that. It's pay attention, it's there. It's there, it's going to be revealed. If you pay attention, it's going to be revealed. So this intrinsic me separated and scared might not be so. Maybe breath belongs to nature more than to a certain me or I. And I don't have to get rid of my prior view. Okay, I don't do moi anymore. It doesn't work like this. The practice is to notice every time you create a me and to be aware, become conscious of it. Oh. Joseph, one of my teachers, uses the uh, funny image of uh, a little uh, character, like a comic character he calls uh, Wasam will be. Was, am, will be. <laughs> and he said every time, or for a while in this practice, every time there would be a thought like, I will be this, I am... I am that, I was that. It would just, like, oh, wasam will be, is here. There's a construction of a self, you know. And actually, what is happening? There's a thought arising in the mind. This is true. There is definitely a thought arising in the mind. But this is the thing that is unseen. For me, the only thing that I see is that I was like that. And that's the truth. This is not the truth. Seeing rea reality as it is, truly is in Buddhism that's a phrase that is used a lot seeing reality as it truly is is to notice that when there's a thought thinking is happening that's putting things back to where they belong it's never going to work for me work out for me 
is a thought, nothing else. You don't know. In my case, it's true. <laughs> yeah, that's a strong grasping. Of course, of course, everything led to that. But now, we're growing a little bit. You know, that's like maturity. We're going a little further. It's a little scary because, you know, whoever was doing the parenting made sure I own things. You know, this is your hand. This is your... This is Mama's hand. This is your hand. This is this is your toy. No, this is Nicolas' toy. You know, and so we went from being kind of like merged with everything. You know, pre pre egoic, and we we matured into egoic beings. I own my words and my actions. You know, and now we go in the trans egoic. We're not going back to being babies. You know. We're actually waking up and saying, actually, health is not really yours, honey. There is health. It's, it's precious, but it's not yours. It's there. The conditions support it right now. And they're going to change. You know? And, you know, I could own the, the cold and say, like, why me? You know, it's always me who gets the cold. Nobody has a cold here. On, only me. You know, it's not like that, honey. There is cold. It's really there. We're not saying it doesn't exist. It's really there. But it's not yours in that sense. You know, there's a cold. needs to be taken care of. Be responsible about it. But that's pretty much it. You know? Memory is not mine. There is memory, and one day, maybe there won't be access to memory. Intelligence, the other... You know, when I was saying yesterday, and I'll finish with this, maybe I was saying, <coughs> you know, I was going through a breakup and it was extremely painful. Why? Why was it painful? What was the suffering in there? Things end. There was a mistaken view. I had taken what was not mine to be mine. I had taken to be absolutely satisfying something that was not satisfying, that was a little bit more shaky, a little bit more impermanent, a little bit more conditional. I had taken something that was not mine to be mine. I had taken something that I was. I had projected complete satisfaction on something that was not, and I had projected also permanency on something that could not be permanent. And I was in shock because this was my partner, and they were going to be satisfying forever, and they were going to be permanently there, you know. And, said, and so the suffering was not because the person left. It was because of wrong understanding of the nature of reality. The nature of reality is that there was a meeting that happened that was absolutely conditional to millions of things, most of them that I can control, you know, and the conditions that made it possible to be together, some of the conditions disappeared, you know. Suddenly there was a lack of interest in Pascal. <laughs> <laughs> and interest in something else, you know. And I can be resentful of this and that, but the fact is the conditions that brought this together were not there anymore, supporting that. That's absolutely natural. Absolutely natural. But the whole system here, like, no, mine, you know, satisfying, permanent, you know. And and then there was the I had to learn to accompany Pascal to my love, you know. Of course, there was these mistakes, 
There could, how could it have been otherwise? You know, you listen to, I don't know how many millions of songs telling you that it, it would be fine, you know, <laughs> that it would be satisfying, that it, would, that it was it, you know. Of course you got deluded, you got, uh, you got conditioned to, to, to believe that, you know. When the truth is, things appear, they last for a while, and they disappear. And it's not to become cold, all this, all this is to become caring, to become attuned with reality, aligned with reality. Of course I'm not going to control the other one. It's never going to happen. Can I come to terms with that? And in that there's something very tender, because we want control, we want to know what's going to happen, we want to, it to go our way. But that's not how reality works. Sometimes it does go our way. Conditions are such that it works out. And there's a few things that works really well, so it makes us think that everything should. You know? But it doesn't work like that. And so here we're paying attention to little things, you know. We're not talking about big break, or maybe that's what's happening for you, but we're actually just seeing how little things, uh, you know, you want to go to the bathroom and there's somebody in there. You know, the conditions were such that the bathroom that I perceived as satisfying, available, <laughs> is not, you know. And I came to sit here thinking it would be calm, and it's actually agitated. Or I thought it would be extremely painful, and somehow, out of my control, things got together that something happened, and the heart relaxed. You know, can that be met? And so this is the, the offering for tonight. So let's take just a moment, exactly as you are. You can arrange the posture, but, but just for a couple of seconds... if you can allow life to be just as it is, to manifest as it does. And meeting reality just as it is, we can... Uh, Keep the mind and the heart balanced, not falling in extremes of reactivity, despair, and wanting, and shame. And also, we gain access to joy because we can rejoice in what works, what comes together, appreciate it, cherish it. We can be at peace when things dissolve that we cherished. We can be compassionate, tender, experience loss, but without losing ground, 
be deeply touched by the disappearing nature of things and people and moments but also be okay May our practice uh, release our minds from uh, wrong, painful, erroneous understanding. May we find freedom in this world and also offer joy and care and assistance and friendliness to our fellow beings. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.